Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Today is the day after we recorded the last episode with Brandon. And so I'm really excited about this. We want to finish off kind of where we left off. But again, this is a Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Um, if I haven't mentioned it already in the intro, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get our free fast cash survival kit. It's free. And if you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. But it's got a lot of good videos in there about how we do deals and how we use virtual assistants and how we do all of our marketing and stuff. So anyway, I am with Brandon, Brandon Schwab, who is in Chicago area. And everybody be nice to him because even though he's a Chicago Cubs fan and the Cardinals are the better baseball team. I mean, how many, how many, um, how many years since the Cubs won a uh, World Series? Uh, Way too, way too many. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I've just given him a hard time because it's, uh, there's a, it's a big rivalry for those, those of you that don't know between St. Louis and Chicago. So I'm just giving him a hard time. But Brandon is uh, doing some really awesome things right now with lease options. We talked about a little bit last week. I have my notes here, so if you see me typing in my notes, that kind of explains it. But we talked a lot about how he's putting his deals together and selling them to investors as cash flow deals. If somebody has $100,000 and they want to invest in real estate, well, they could maybe buy two $50,000 homes or they can buy 10 options on properties for $10,000 that actually give them a better return cash on cash on their money, buying lease options. I wanted to ask you, Brandon, a few of the different questions about, and by the way, you can hear in our back, my background and Brandon's background are, are uh, people that are working on our team doing deals. This is one of my three offices that I'm at right now. Um, I have a home office, an office at Starbucks, and an office here that I share with some other investors, but it's fun. I, I, I like variety. I like getting around and working in different places. And my fourth office would be my car. I actually did a webinar the other day, Brandon, from my car because I just I didn't have time to drive home to get to my home office. So anyway, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Brandon, picking up where we left off last time, I want to be real mm-hmm. clear. The type of home that you're doing these sandwich lease options on, those work best for lower-end homes or median-priced homes or high-end homes? How do you... Do you target specific properties when you're doing that? That is a good question, Joe. And in fact, I do target the medium type house as far up as the $500,000 plus type house. I try to typically stay out of the low end because um, you're going to be doing the same thing and it doesn't give you the ability to profit as much. So as far as doing sandwich lease options, kind of our formula for being able to do those, Joe, is going to be that we are going to have the investor put down 10000 and we are going to look for the end tenant buyer to put at least $5,000 down. So I'm typically looking for three bedroom, two bath homes, $100,000 and up type of house. And I have gone as high up as like two to $3 million homes because Here's the thing, as you were calling these sellers, it literally does not 
take you any extra time to do a house that's two or three million dollars as it does a house that's going to be one hundred thousand. However, the difference on a house that's two or three million could be six figures of profit compared to low five figures on the one hundred to two hundred thousand dollar home. So I enjoy one hundred thousand and up. Our typical return on our time we are looking to um, for these sandwich lease options get at least five thousand dollars down and if a house doesn't kind of fit in that particular criteria i don't do it and a thing that i i don't do anymore is i don't do two bedroom one bath i don't do condos it has to have at least three bedrooms and i do that joe because i find that from the past i have bought tapes of homes that only have two and I had a hard time finding people yeah. for those houses. And if I'm gonna do it for a purpose of investing, I have learned that it has to be at least three bedrooms and it has to be in a good area too. I am not looking for any homes that um, you can't go to after dark at all either. <laughs> you know, I have people bring me deals sometimes of for lease option deals that are in bad parts of town. And I just turn those deals down. I, I don't like, I mean, regrettably you're kind of asking for trouble when you try to do lease options in the lower end properties, because the chances of that buyer actually buying the home are really, really slim. Let's yeah. talk about, so when you get them under contract with the seller, you're trying to get as long of a term as possible, right? Now, if you're going to be, what do you typically get? when you're working with a seller? Well, it is able to depend on that person's type of situation. Our target is to get at least five years, but I typically get 10 years. And I get 10 years because I ask for it. That's right. Um, I even have times where a house is underwater that I ask for the balance of the loan. So if they paid, you know, 10 years on it, then I get a term of 20 years because at the end of that term, I don't care what they owe today. After 20 years, that thing's going to be paid off free and clear. So the biggest thing that I find on this industry, Joe, that is able to hurt this industry and why I think the industry average of, of people following through on all of these lease options is like less than 20%. Yeah. Here is why. The average person is getting into these deals and they are only giving them one to two years. Okay. And that's not long enough. Okay. Those one to two years, it goes by just, just like that. And that doesn't have the time in order for a person to get qualified. A thing that I do differently is I give them up to 10 years or up to 20 years because I, want to give them every opportunity that they can to go out and purchase this home and give them every benefit of the doubt that they can go through and do that. One to two years just doesn't give them the time frame to like be that. able to, to fix their credit. But then also, fixing their credit is kind of the easy part, Joe. The other part that has to happen is the, is the comps in the area have to come up that they can actually go to a bank and get approved for financing because when you go purchase it, they aren't gonna give you 120% of what that house is worth. It has to give it time for what is owed on the house to come down and the comps in the area to come up that these are able to 
be a, a, a point that a person can get financing. And one to two years doesn't give you that time frame. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so when you price the homes, when you set the option price, is it close to what the current market value is? Do you bump it up a little bit? It all depends on the deal. We have actually done deals where they owe more than what the house is worth today, sometimes by ten, twenty thousand dollars And um, I have done a deal this past year that they were $100,000 underwater. And most people would run from this deal. However, a thing that our company did is we got into this deal, we took over that payment, but I got a the, the balance of the term of that particular um, loan, which was like 18 years. And then I also was able to get into that and take over the existing payments. In this particular house, the payments were like $3,500 per month. So a thing that our company did is we got in there and we set up a residential care home in there and we were able to put housing in place to help elderly and disabled people as well get into this house and give them kind of some peace of mind. For our particular business plan, Joe, we were able to help that person get out of that house and I was able to cover those payments because each person I have in that house pays anywhere from three to $5,000 each month, which is able to cover food, healthcare, all of that. So that's a whole nother topic in itself that we could spend an hour on, but um, I love it. Spend some days on that one. <laughs> I have a friend who wrote a course on how to do that. And uh, really? yeah, yeah. And his name is Mike Warren. He stopped selling and promoting that course about seven, eight years ago, but he was, he's been thinking about resurrecting it. And uh, there's a whole industry out there that can do that. It's more technical and advanced. But yeah, you can make very good money taking these homes and then you have to get special licensing and permitting for this, right? Or is that is that dependent on the state? Yeah, I do think that that is an incredible avenue today that people can get into homes. And because our big focus here is going to be passive income and cash flow, with the whole Dodd-Frank Act that came out January 10th, we were kind of very cautious on going forward with doing any more lease purchases. And as one of the exit plans for our company is if the house is able to be a gigantic ranch, we will actually not offer that property to any of our investors. And we will actually take that house down ourselves. I actually grew up and I've got an uncle um, who's 54 today that he was born a 12 pound baby. And then as he was being born, he was actually cut off of oxygen for like literally a split second. And because of that, he's had polio his whole entire life. And we have actually seen what type of how that causes pressure within a particular family of being able to care for those people. And because of that, that kind of was able to project us into that field that I wanted to come up with an avenue that I could uh, kind of offer um, help for people in that particular type of situation. Because there are families out there that are dealing with that, that if they had any alternatives, three to $5,000 per month is a drop in the bucket to feel that their person that they are close with the opportunity today, that's one of the avenues on top of doing a 
sandwich lease option that people can be able to look at. Okay. Do you, are there special permits or licenses required to run that kind of a house? Every state is different. I only have them in two different states right now. And um, I'll tell you in Illinois and Florida, you do have to have permits. Um, you do have to jump through a couple of hoops, but it isn't anything more difficult than opening up a business. You have to talk to a healthcare admin and that person has to set up diet plans for you, uh, the proper care. We have to have 24 hour service as far as a person doing healthcare. So that's all possible. Our typical cost of healthcare is between seven and $10,000 each month. Uh, but in a four bedroom house where I've got four people paying five grand per month, our total expenses are roughly about twelve or thirteen thousand. So I don't know where else you can go and profit five to seven thousand dollars. Could be one of the topics I was going to talk to you on at our Cubs game on May third. Well, I'm I'm fascinated about that topic, and I'd love to learn more about it. I met some guys once in Arizona who were doing a lot of that, and they only had maybe five to seven properties. And they were already cash flowing total about 20 to 30 grand a month on these properties. It's an amazing business model, especially when you can buy the houses with owner financing or as a lease option. Brandon, I want to ask you, like, when you get a deal, when do you decide whether to keep it as a sandwich lease option? There's like three or four different scenarios I'm thinking of. Number one, when do you decide to keep it as a sandwich lease option for your own portfolio? Number two, when do you create a sandwich lease option and then sell that to another investor like we were talking about yesterday? But number three, mm-hmm. when do you just wholesale that lease option contract to a tenant buyer and get completely done with it? Well, the first things that I'm able to look at is how much money do I have in the bank? Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. That there is going to determine if I'm going to buy and hold it. And if I am in a mode that I am interested to expand our portfolio, our portfolio has over 20 homes in it currently. However, if I just got done buying five to 10 homes, well, then I just went through 50 to 100,000 that I go from times where I am property rich but cash poor. And there's times that I have cash that anybody out there that has 50 to $500,000, you are in an incredible avenue if you understand how to fully take advantage of that and then understand that things have changed. And if the deal is going to have equity or if it's going to have a good payment every month, those are going to be candidates for a sandwich lease option. Okay. There has to be some reason that I can stay in the deal to justify being there. All right. And if the deal isn't very good, and if the deal is going to be under, if the deal is going to be underwater, 10, 20, 30,000, and the payment is high, I always wholesale that because that's a deal that I wouldn't ever put into our own portfolio. However, if it's a house that the rents in the area are going to be 1800, and their payment is only 1250 PITI, I'm keeping that deal. And the only time that I offer that to other investors is when I am not in a position to buy that ourselves. Let me tell you about a deal that I think was pretty interesting. And this deal kind of changed how I think about this business. I had a four bedroom, two bath house that came to me just over the border in 
Wisconsin. It was a four-bedroom, two-bath with an unfinished walkout basement. The guy that was selling it worked at Hospira, and he was getting transferred from Chicago down to North Carolina, okay? This guy owed 185 on his house, okay? He had paid 14 years of his mortgage, and he owed 185 and the house is only comping out at about 185 as well. We did this deal. I got it under contract. I put it up. I found a buyer that came from Chase Bank, like within the first couple of days. We had it up for 220,000 with 20 grand down. Okay, this guy offered 15 grand down in two different payments. So I took eight grand down, and then I took seven within like two or three months. So I thought I was doing like fantastic. Joe, I was happy. This year was one of the first deals that I did that turned out this way. And um, a thing that happened is this couple got in, okay? They fixed and they finished the basement over that Christmas break. I think her dad was a contractor. Because it had a walkout basement, Joe, they finished it down to a five-bedroom, three-bath. And then that spring, we pulled comps on it. It made me cringe because comps came back at about three hundred to three hundred thirty thousand for that particular area for a five bedroom three bath. Now, so I was happy that I was able to profit fifteen thousand out of the deal. However, I kicked myself because if I would have just finished that basement, our crew could have finished it for ten fifteen grand, and I could have remarketed it for three hundred thousand. Hmm. Here's the part that. I want to throw up on is that uh, this particular deal, he had 14 years paid on his mortgage. And if, he, and if anybody understands how a 30 year, 30 year fixed mortgage is a first half and the first half was almost over. And I had a 10 year option. I fast forwarded to the debt that I took over, which was 185,000. I fast forwarded it 10 years and I figured out at the end of 10 years, I would have only owed roughly about 80 grand on that. So if I would have been smart, I would have kept that deal, finished the basement, lease optioned it for 300,000, got 10% down. And then at the end of 10 years, sold it to him for 270,000. And then I would have kept the difference from the 270 and the 80, only about $190,000. Was there any cash so, flow in that deal, though? Uh, there would have been about $150 each month. Yeah. So his payment was $1,450. I, I think I gave it to the end guys at $1,600, and that extra $150 is paying down that mortgage because that was pre-Dodd-Frank. Now, you said the house was worth about $185, mm -hmm. and he owed $185. But you set the option price at two twenty-five. Why'd you set the option price well, so much higher? Well, because that guy wouldn't do the deal at one eighty-five. If he didn't get two hundred thousand, he was not doing the deal. Okay. So a thing that I did is I basically put ten percent on it, and um, I was asking two twenty with ten percent down. The buyer that I found came from Chase Bank, actually didn't have the ten percent and. He put down the 15000 in two different payments. A thing that I found, guys, is that if you're flexible with these payments up front, um, you can get drastically higher if you break it out over two, three, five, six months. I have, have even done deals 
where people have signed over titles to cars, dirt bikes, bikes, you know, all different types of things that if you don't ask, you won't ever get it. Yeah. So I'd encourage that a person is open because not everyone, as far as buyers, is going to have cash, but they but they could have four titles to cars that maybe you can get and then be able to put up for sale. I've often thought about that. You know, if if anybody listening to this podcast has a uh, condo timeshare in Hawaii or Lake Tahoe or I don't know Tahiti, the Bahamas, <laughs> let me know. We can work something out. <laughs> I've had a lot of people approach me uh, when I'm selling houses, you know, with creative things. Even when I'm offering consulting services, people will offer me different things if they don't have the cash right now. And I'll, cons- I'll consider that. But I love the idea of being creative like that, right? You don't yeah. take every deal and try to fit it in one box because it doesn't always going to work. No. So you need to be a little no. more open to, all right, how can we make this a deal? Not that you can also go to the extreme. I mean, if it's not a deal, then you know you want to pass on it. Pass on that, and, and I'm sure you pass on a lot of deals, even though you are really creative. But you still, what kind of deals do you pass on that you don't want to you don't want to deal with? Uh, so I put I typically put offers on quite a few of the projects that I take the time to look on. If it's a project that I really don't want, then I just offer them like a very low offer or Worst case, I'll just get a option on. Is there any deals that I'll pass on? Those are going to be deals like two bedroom, one bath places. I'll pass on anything in a dangerous type of area. I put a offer on a 13 unit apartment building in the south side of Chicago one time. They were asking like 250 for it, and I offered 40 grand, thinking this place is a disaster. And the only reason I did not get killed that day was that there was a property manager on the front door. Thank God for her. But I put in a $40,000 offer because I thought there's no way that they're going to ever take this offer. And they ended up taking it. I was able to wholesale it for 60. But that's the thing, guys, is um, I think too many people get into this business and they are waiting for like the stars to align. Okay. So you can't. I mean, I have the attitude that if I take the time to go out to a house. If I take the time to like really do homework on it, I'm going to put in a offer. Even if it's a low ball, all cash offer, I promise you, you will never get a house for $1,000 if you don't ever offer it. Yeah. My first offer, my first deal that I ever did, wholesale deal, it was way out in the sticks and I had no interest in this property at all. I had no buyers in this property. It had expired the year before for 140 grand. And mm-hmm. I, she was practically begging me to buy the house. And uh, this was back in 2008. And I said, Man, I don't know. It was, it expired the year before for 140. I offered her 50. I just pulled that number out of my hat and she took it. She said, okay. And I sold it the next day for 65. It's yeah. just insane. It's insane. You, you, you'll never know unless you make the offer. Right. Yeah. Let's talk marketing, yeah. Brandon marketing for sellers and then marketing for buyers what's what's working for you now i do a lot of calling for sale by owners that's probably our top avenue second one's going to be direct mail Um, i have got two kids at home and i have my wife doing direct mail towards expired listings 
I'm getting roughly about a 30% callback ratio on that. 30% um, callback on mail to expired listings. Yep. Now our direct mail is going to be handwritten. Okay. It is going to be done in red ink and it's going to be hand addressed. And because I do it in that particular fashion, they get open, they get they are able to get gone through and then these people call because I'm I have this list of 1000 people and those are $500,000 in up homes. So I am not looking to kind of compete with all of the 100 to 200,000 dollar homes. I am going after homes that had just had an expired listing that um, those people are in as equal of a position as anybody that owns a home that's going to be one to 200,000. I just had a guy call me back yesterday. Uh, the guy's first name was Jim, and he had a 23,000 square foot house for $6 million. His taxes were $100,000 per month or $100,000 per year. And no way would I have been able to get this guy directly if I was not able to uh, get this in his in in his particular box. And I don't think he's got a high level of motivation. However, if they call if they call us directly, that's way better than us calling them. And it also doesn't hurt that I've got over 300 bird dogs throughout the country too. We want to talk um, about bird dogs. Don't get don't get ahead of me yet. I, okay. I'm telling you guys, you see why I'm so excited about talking to Brandon. I mean, he's, it's, it's rare to meet cats like this who are actually doing deals. You like that word cats? <laughs> my, my assistant laughed. I have a good friend named Jason Medley. He refers to everybody oh, yeah. as cats. You know, Jason? So I do. He just had a kid. Yes, he did. He's, you're either a cat or a dingaling. You're a cool cat <laughs> or you're a dingaling. If you're, if yeah. you're not a cool, anyway, I, Brandon's out there doing deals, and that's what I like about this podcast so much. Is I talk to people who are actually doing deals. There's not many of us out there, you know. There's a lot of talkers, a lot of uh, people that that claim they're doing a lot of deals, and they really aren't. And there's a lot of people trying. They're trying really hard, but they're not getting anywhere. But um, it can be done. I mean, if if you look at Brandon. Is not anything special, except he's no. not afraid to take action and not afraid to make mistakes. And he's consistent with his marketing. I bet you anything, Brandon, you're sending out that direct mail constantly, every day, every week, right? Yeah. That's a thing that has helped set us apart is being consistent. I have found that as you talk to all of these sellers, it takes, you have to contact them four to seven times. Mm -hmm. And when they get our first letter, they call me. When they get our second um, letter or the third letter or the fourth letter, okay, they call me and go, all right, man, what's up? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. that gives us the opportunity. And a thing that I have found it is just being completely transparent has helped. And I think people appreciate the transparency. And I think that you take the time to do it by hand. Some of these guys try to print these things, and let me tell you, people know that you printed them, okay? If you literally handwrite them, all right? And, uh, 
it's kind of funny by having those handwritten it literally sets us apart from everybody else and i get a incredible call back ratio and it's a very simple letter that on top of calling for sale by owners and all of the for sale by owner signs in front yards and houses up for rent that's been great and a thing that i do kind of different guys is i don't call off a of craigslist a lot of people call on craigslist and i don't know why the hell they do that um <laughs> it's because, because i've been teaching them to do that forever well here and because oh, you've done such a good job teaching that, everybody's calling. Yeah, I know. So here's the thing. And um, I have found that if I call people on Craigslist, yes, there's people who are going to be interested. However, if I have a choice of a, a person that paid to post their ad on, for sale by owner or a person that posted their ad for free on Craigslist, who do you think is going to be more motivated to sell their house? I have found that calling Craigslist, I deal with a lot of competition. And then I'm trying to compete against you, Joe. And frankly, I, I just can't do that. However, if I'm going after sellers directly on for sale by owner, I find that less people are calling. I find that quite a bit of people today aren't picking up the phone. They're sending emails. And that's just a spineless thing to do. Um, I think if you pick up the phone, call them first. And if you don't get them, do the email, but call them first. All right. So and talk about, are you calling them? Do you have an assistant or a telemarketer calling them? What are you doing there? Joe, I'm going to pick up the computer and I'm going to show you it's my office. Okay. Okay. Uh, here is our board over here. Okay. This is kind of like our training board. We have quotes up on the top here. I'll take you over here. We have, a, we have a red door. I've got our bayonet signs up in the window. We've got a red door, but up here I've got quotes right up on the wall. All right, but in this office here, I don't know if you're able to see this here. Okay. Oh, look at that. Um, so I don't have a very big office. This place, Joe, cost me 350 bucks per month. Nice. But I've got a person on the phone over here lisa who's fantastic on the phone i've got an open desk right here that i'm taking apps to fill and then over here i've got joe which is trained to be our office manager here sweet um so every day a thing that i do as well is i've got all the people in our office i've got them on a plan that they are all committed to calling 100 people no, each I week 100 100 and then as they call 100 people joe a thing that i find is uh if you come over here to this board right here 100 calls each week 90 of them are going to be people that aren't going to be very motivated to sell okay yeah. and that's the thing i have it right here however out of these 100 calls 10 percent of them are going to be people that have to sell and then out of those 10 percent they are able to upload these I can close 20% of them. So a thing that I'm doing is I'm teaching people how they can earn two deals each each week times 500 bucks each, how to earn $1,000 each week times four times four weeks. If you teach a person how to earn $4,000 per month through this easy system here, all you got to do is call 100 people. And a thing that I've done is I figured out a system of these binders here. I'm going to kind of go over here by Lisa here. And uh, 
we have this we have this binder. I don't know if you can see this, yeah, but yeah. each each week here, I print out 100 blank property intake forms. Okay, okay? I don't know if I'm holding this right. Yeah, I can see. And it. by the end by the end of this particular week, she has to have all of these here filled out. But by doing that, she's able to track all of his inbound leads. And then at the end of this week, she actually puts all of these leads into this other tab right here. And a thing that that does is that gives her a very good system of uh, being held accountable for producing leads. And about anybody can do it. I have got a, a girl from uh, Florida. Okay. that is doing this from her house part-time with two kids in her house. She is earning anywhere from three to $4,000 each month with me. So when a person's getting into investing, okay, um, you can't be able to wholesale till you understand how to find properties, talk to sellers, and to determine if it's a good deal or not. So beginning as a property scout is a fantastic avenue for a person to begin with, and then once you get a couple, two, three, five, ten checks, maybe they can go to a person like you, hire you to teach them how to begin wholesaling because I don't teach that. I've got a whole bunch of people uh, doing bird dogging. And a thing that I do, Joe, is I, is I do a weekly call Monday evening at 7 to 8 p.m. that I literally call sellers with our team of bird dogs. And that helps them hear how these calls are. Okay, that helps answer questions. And by being there for them, I think that that's been very beneficial to give them to, to give them kind of access to me once per week. That's fantastic. Now, these these bird dogs are they bird dogs for you in just in the Chicago area, or are they in all different states? No, they are all over the country. And are they calling deals in their own markets? Are they calling and doing this kind of marketing for Chicago? My bird dogs are all over the country, and I don't give them any parameters that they have to stay in. A person from California could be calling deals in Chicago, could be calling deals in Florida. The states that I kind of like are going to be Illinois, Florida, Vegas, or, uh, Vegas Arizona, California, Texas, Colorado, Georgia, New York City, which I've got an incredible deal out there that uh, we'll have to talk on afterwards that has only about a $35 million profit margin in it. But it's incredibly unique. It has to do with a underground missile silo. It's a whole different topic. If you have any people that have big time capital, we ought to talk off this call. Or if anybody on this call has anybody, email me and I'll take care of you for a finder's fee and Joe as well. What is what is your email, Brandon? If somebody wants to reach you right now. My email is Brandon at it is S C H W A B Property Solutions dot com. Brandon, Brandon at, at Schwab Property Solutions dot com. Or they can call me directly at two two four three 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 six two four six. Three 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 six two four six. Okay, go ahead. Six two four six. It is on this thing right here. All right, so let's let's talk back tech to marketing a little bit. You're sending okay. out you're mainly doing two things. Just picking up the phone and calling for sale by owners and you're sending yep. letters, handwritten yellow letters to expired listings. Is that right? Yep. And you're targeting on, are, you're targeting the higher end homes on those letters. 
if you come over here, these these here are the kind of ten things or the eight things that I'm able to do. I call them fishing poles. Yeah. Right? We are first calling for sale by owners, mm -hmm. which is chasing them. Okay. We're doing direct mail, which is being chased. Okay. <laughs> We're we are doing driving for dollars. I have this little thing over here. Okay. I don't know if you guys are able to see this. Yeah. What happens? But what happens back in high school when there's one really hot girl? Okay. Every guy in the school's trying to date her, right? Yeah. Who is in the most control here? The girl or the guy? The girl. Because she's being chased, he's doing the chasing. Same, same thing here. Um, as we, we are driving for dollars, we are chasing. Okay, when we do business cards, flyers, and all of that, that's being chased. Bandit signs, networking, social media, and Craigslist ads. Those, those are all the things that our company typically do, but. The top two, hands down, um, that I've probably generated 80% of all of our deals the past four years has been picking up the phone and calling sellers and doing direct mail. And your favorite form of direct mail are letters to expireds. Do you send anything else to absentee owners or probates, anything like that? If you get a realtor, ask them to give you a list of withdrawn listings. Withdrawn listings are even better than expired because they're pissed off at that realtor. However, the list isn't as big. Right. Okay. So now, what does your letter say on the expired listings? What does it say? Joe or John, do you have a copy of that letter I was able to give you in your desk over there anywhere? No. Um, I it, gave it to the girl. It is able to say hi, John and Sandy. Uh, this is Kelly. My husband and I, Brandon, are interested in buying your house at 123 Oak Avenue. We buy homes uh, cash, fast. Please call us at 224-333-6266. And then I've got a team of VAs answering those calls and doing our property intake forms. Because the first week that I did it, Joe, Literally, I was getting phone calls when I was sleeping. I was getting phone calls when I was driving. Whatever you teach people on as far as hiring VAs, I highly encourage it because the first week I dropped 133 and my phone was literally going nonstop. And you just can't function or do anything else besides that. I got to tell you something, man. We've been... What? It's so crazy. I, I was... About three, four months ago, I was like, yeah, so-so about direct mail. I mean, I've done it all. I've sent all kinds of direct mail. And depending on the market, I was getting a little frustrated with my response rates. There's a lot of, I mean, it's always worked. It always will work. But a buddy of mine, and I won't say who his name is, because I don't want him to be inundated with requests to get this postcard. He has a course, okay? And he's kind of well-known for these postcards. And he wrote a new one that is not even in his course and he won't give it away to anybody. And I'm telling you, man, I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And he made me swear that I would not give it away to anybody. And it's a real spammy type of postcard and it's ugly yellow postcard. It doesn't say anything about, Hey, I want to buy your house. It's just a postcard that says, dear Mr. Smith, I need to talk with you about your house right away. And it's got some other things in there. Call me. 
and it has a 24-hour recorded message on this thing. Okay, and I've, you know, I I thought I knew direct response marketing. I've tried live operators. I've tried it going to a short voicemail. Hey, this is Joe. Uh, leave a message. I'll call you back. I've had uh, VAs answer the phone. I've tried it all. And I usually average about a 2 to 3% response rate when I send out a postcard like that. And that's usually 3% mm-hmm. of the people who call, and maybe half of them actually will leave a message. So anyway, I took his postcard, and I added on their 24-hour recorded message. And I didn't have a website. I don't have another local phone number that they can call the office. It's just a 24-hour recorded message. Mm-hmm. And um, that message is about four minutes long. We get a, about a 17 to 18% response rate with this postcard. Postcard. Wow. All right. And guess how many, what percent uh, total of the total that we send out actually listen to that four minute long message and leave a voicemail? Seven. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that good. We're, we're averaging about 4%. 4% will actually leave a voicemail. And we get some of them are going to be really ticked off that we sent them a postcard. But it's funny, my, my mail house, because we send out right now in all our different markets for our clients, for ourselves, about, I don't know, maybe 10,000 postcards a week, maybe a little less. But we're seeing these incredible numbers and responses with yeah. that. And we, our mail house in St. Louis, where we are, I asked him, I said, hey, could you put your return address on the postcards? Because I'm tired of picking them up at my UPS store. And they said, yeah, sure. Well, a week later, they start complaining that so many people are calling them. They're looking up their address on the return address on that postcard, calling their office and complaining about getting these postcards. So that's, I, I love marketing that riles people up, you know. And and they say if you haven't upset somebody by 12 o'clock, you're not marketing hard enough. You're not doing enough marketing, right? So I went and actually got another UPS mailbox, another UPS store mailbox near where we are so that all of the mail can start going, the return mail can start going there. And it's harder for them to look up, find a phone number. But anyway, I wanted to say that because I love direct mail. And it, anything that you're doing can't be more than probably 10 to 20% of all the marketing that you're doing. And I like to see that you have all that stuff that's going on there, but we need to talk probably offline about this, this direct mail. And um, maybe there's an opportunity we could work together on some deals there. Um, For sure. But it's, for sure. It's blowing me away. The response that we're getting with these things, it's just insane. And we have students and clients already getting properties under contract left and right or wholesaling these things. And even here in St. Louis, I sent out about 4,800 postcards for my new acquisitions manager here in St. Louis and completely over just, I, he had like, I think 191 voicemails from, <laughs> from this thing. So I promised him that I wouldn't be sending that many more again. We're going to tame it down to maybe a thousand a week, but wow. anyway, we'll talk more. We'll talk more about that. So you're sending out, you've tested this probably, right? You're not sending a lease purchase message. You're sending a we buy houses message in your direct mail, right? Yeah. We put that out there because the goal is to get on the call back. And then as I talk with them, I can have the basic info taken down from our VAs, um, which is the property intake form. And then 
when I have that, I can I can determine if it's a good deal to do a lease purchase, if I just do a option on it. I had a house the other day that a person wasn't looking for a lease purchase. However, they discounted their house $400,000 that uh, we can put back up for sale for 1.3 and easily pull out $100,000 out of the deal. Okay. Now talk about some of the marketing you do for buyers, Brandon. What, how are you finding good tenant buyers? I do a lot of bandit signs. I would say that for buyers, our number one thing that I get is in front of each house that I have, I've got not one, not two, but three bandit signs in the front yard. Um, you would think that one, a person would drive by and they don't even think twice. When you have three, people notice. And then on top of that, I've, um, I'll average anywhere from 10 to 30 pointer signs. Let me grab a pointer sign for you real quick. Hold on. Yeah. While Brandon's doing that, I'll tell you, those of you still listening, I have a student who was placing seven to 10 bandit signs in the yard, in the yard at any one time. So here's one of the signs that I am able to put out. Rent to own homes, okay? Um, I'll put this in the front yard, okay? And then on every street corner, okay? Okay. I'll put one of these out there, okay? okay? I'll average between 10 and 30 of these for each house. So a thing that this is doing is this is driving people towards us, but then people are also taking down our info to go to our website. And then, nice. on, our, and then on our page here, I've got... A incredibly simple free page, which I did on blogger.com, that I have a video and then I have a form that they can fill out, which I call as their buyer profile. Uh-huh. And then that automatically enters into our contact manager. Okay. So these here are great. They're cheap. They're about a dollar, dollar fifty each. So those are great. I've also found that. When I do a blank bandit sign, which is handwritten, I get a lot of calls too. Okay, good. While you were gone, I was saying I had a student who puts about seven to 10 signs out in the yard. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I had the earbuds down. I'm sorry. I was saying I had a student at one time who was telling me they put seven to 10 signs in the yard. And it's amazing. Seven to 10? Yes. They get, they get tons wow. of calls from that. You got to make sure that, you know, obviously you get permission from the owner. Because some owners might say no to that. They don't want the attention. But uh, I love banded signs. It's always been my best way to find buyers as well, whether it's a lease option or a regular wholesaling deal, right? Okay, cool. So let me see if I had any other questions for you here. All right, talk a little bit, Brandon, about what are some of the questions that you ask sellers when they first call in? What what are some of the basic pre-screening questions that you ask? Good question. Okay. Um when I get calls coming in, okay, I have a property intake form, okay? The very first question I ever ask if I'm calling out to a for sale by owner is I always ask, did I catch you at a good time? I cannot tell you how many people do not ask that question and just start talking. And whoever's on the other end just wants you to shut up and then that call is over with. Yeah. So if I'm calling, the first thing I ask is, did I catch you at a good time? All right. Then I tell them, Hey, I am calling a bought your house. Uh, I saw it on for 
sale by owner, I have a couple questions. And then the first thing that I ask is, hey, tell me about your house. I see a couple pictures on it, but tell me about the house. Then I just listen. Mm-hmm. After they get done talking for five minutes, I begin asking, hey, does the house need any repairs to it? What is the reason that you guys are selling? All right. And then after all of that, I ask them, hey, what's the asking price? Then I ask them, how did you come up with that asking price? And then I go and I ask, how much debt do you carry on the house? Because after I have that question, I've got three different sets of questions that I can ask only if I have the asking price plus what they owe on it. Now, by this point, do they know that you're an investor? Oh, yeah. I tell them up front, hey, I am looking to buy three to four houses this week. And all the people that are calling on our behalf, they introduce being able to say that, hey, I work with our boss who buys three to four houses each week. He asked me to call on your particular house. And their job is to pre-qualify this. And a thing that I'm able to teach them is that um, you are the gatekeeper to a buyer. So they are asking questions to pre-qualify this deal prior to the investor calling. And I don't like the word investor. I find that if you use the word investor, the call goes south in a hurry. However, I have them identify themselves as they work for their boss and their boss called and asked and he buys three to five houses each week and they are looking in your particular area. By doing that, that that helps kind of clear the air and they understand up front that they are not the buyer themselves. Right. Okay. But if the seller doesn't answer the questions properly, that gatekeeper doesn't have to turn that lead over. So there's a little bit of there's a bit of posture that has to go into that and build up the confidence of that person calling that you aren't calling calling as a total just limp fish. Um, you have to have a bit of a backbone to understand that, hey, are going to have houses up for sale? And there's only a couple buyers. And he called, the boss called and asked to find out info on your property. All that I'm doing is just getting questions answered. And I keep our bird dogs on this single page form because I find if they begin explaining stuff, the calls just go all south. Okay. Let's uh, let's talk bird dogs then, real quick, Brandon. And, and by the way, you've been really gracious with your time, I, and I appreciate you you doing this. I hope you don't feel like you're giving away all your secrets. No, uh, I think that for us doing what all of us are doing, Joe, I I think that all of us could work together, and there and there's plenty of business throughout this country. And if anything I was able to share here was able to help people, that's great. I have been blessed by some awesome people that have been able to open up their doors as well that I couldn't be a fellow Christian and not be able to help other people because I have been blessed. I'm thankful. And um, I hope that someone can take even just a couple pieces out of this whole conversation and be able to put it to use to help change their life or somebody else's life that, uh, Joe, I think you and I did our job today, you know, and I think it's completely worth the time. And I hope that some of the people on the call here that if they haven't done their first deal doing wholesaling yet, or um, even if they have, that they would uh, join 
either on your bird dog system or our bird dog system and just get started. Yeah. Um, I think that that's the best thing that people can do is get started today. I have a quote from Jordan Belfort uh, from Wolf of Wall Street and the quote is just up there and it is able to say the only thing standing between you and your goal is the bullshit story that you keep telling yourself as why you can't achieve it. And <laughs> I, 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 um, I think that's a great quote that um, people ought to kind of look at in this, in this type of situation is that just get off your feet. Joe is a fantastic guy. He is doing all pick up the phone. So, Brandon, um, we got cut off for a second there. Your bird dog website, is it workwithsps.com? Is that right? Yes. Yep. Okay. So talk a little bit about your bird dog program. How do you get the bird dogs to find you, and, and what's your process for that? How do I find them? It's easy. I post an ad on Craigslist. It, it is able to cost me $25 per market, and I post it typically Monday morning at about 9 o'clock when everyone's dreading going into work. And every ad that I post, I'll typically get anywhere from 25 to 50 bird dogs. And once we have a couple of more people hired, I'll be actually doing that ad simultaneously in seven to eight different areas throughout the country. And each ad producing 25 to 50 people, I picture within a couple, five to six months, we'll have a bird dog team of several thousand. And um, I think, Joe, that I think we should probably talk and kind of compare our ideas there because this bird dog team is going to help educate people that are going to be future investors. And I think that I hope that you don't think of us as competition, but us uh, both going after the same thing. Oh, yeah. Um, well, totally. I totally agree. I do appreciate how how you're able to include and kind of give me this opportunity here. If you want to actually go to that particular website, I can explain the process of it. Yeah, why don't it, – It looks like you've got like 12 things open. How about we share – okay, let me do this here. Work with sps.com, right? Can you see my uh, browser now? All right, so – I see it now. They go to a member go login. To, yeah. And the ID that I'm going to give you is 48808. 48808. Now, is it okay if people on the podcast have that code, sure, or do you, want me to, do you want me to block it out when we replay it? No, it's fine. Okay. Last name, my name in there? S. No, I'll put S-C-H-W-A-B. This is the account that I use during all of our presentations. Okay. S-C-H-W-A-B. I yeah. click submit. It's connecting, it says. So this is, uh, is this Prospect Master? Is that where you got this system? This is. Okay, good. Yeah. I have Prospect Master. It's really good, but I've built my own. And I'll share that with you later um, through Podio. All right, everybody. We are back. We went to the uh, workwithsps.com website. And I wanted Brandon to kind of show us, walk us through what this is about, how you know he manages his bird dogs. And if you're interested in becoming one of Brandon's bird dogs, you can definitely sign up here. And, uh, free of charge. Free of charge, right. Um, so you can go to the first tab right there where it says 
Yeah, to upload a property okay. right there. Okay, submit property. I clicked on that. This is basically a digital version of our property intake form. And okay. one of the things that I found, Joe, is as a person's going to be uploading leads, the biggest problem was that they didn't get constant contact with what's going on with all of those leads and that typically causes them to get kind of burnt out. What this is able to ask here is the basic questions that you can upload pictures, you can upload copies of your property intake form and then down at the bottom is kind of the key parts where the questions that I have on our property intake form is how much does the house have anything that has to be fixed on it? What's the reason for selling? That's one of the first things that I'm going to be interested in being able to see here is why are you selling? What's the motivation that is behind this deal? And once I have that piece of info and then in the other details, that kind of gives me the complete picture that as I call these people, I can determine some of the options that I can put to them as far as offers. And then the final one is where that they found the property. This is very yeah. critical to track the source of this. And then as you're able to upload these properties, if you go up, Joe, yeah, and, and then go to property status. Okay. What I thought was cool here is although this system is very simple in its nature, it gives you the ability to see um, anything from the top deal that was closed. That was a deal that got paid on. There's a deal that was an example that's canceled and then a brand new deal that I just uploaded on our call the other night. But the whole point yeah. of it here is that the bird dog is never left in the dark where these deals are at. They always know where these type of deals are at and they can always edit um, info down at that bottom right there. But a thing that's great is this key down at this bottom always tells them the status of these deals. So if you go back over to property status, one of the, the things that typically happens is when they upload a deal, it's, it's going to be brand new. I have got a guy that handles acquisitions with me. The first thing that typically happens is it goes from new to contact. Um, new to contact is basically saying, hey, I called, we had a voicemail, or I talked to them. And whenever the status changes, the bird dog gets an email, okay? So the first paragraph is, is going to be auto-generated, but the paragraph two is going to have the date and the person that called them and then kind of some details. And if this and if this lead's gonna be good, we are able to kind of put some good things in there or some pointers if it isn't that great of a lead. And then a thing that it typically is it goes back up that we're gonna do comps on the property. And a thing that's great is it actually changes the color of the status. So it is very easy to visually tell where these deals are at. After I put the offer in, then it is able to change the offer. If I get the offer accepted, then it goes to escrow. And every single change here in this status gives an update via email to the bird dog. So they okay. are never left in the dark. And if the seller is able to counter me, then it goes to counter. Closed is going to be in green because that is good canceled is going to be red because the 
something didn't pan out. And the thing yeah. that's great is in the upper right here, it is able to show copies of past previous bird dogs that have gotten checks before. Nice. And I think that's important because these things are able to consistently change. And I think yeah. it gives extra little bit of incentive that, hey, if Joe K can earn $2,500 in commissions, he's only 21. Why, why can't you do that? And right. it just is great. I've got a picture I have to upload to for Joe as well that is over $1,500. And that's a thing that happens when you find good deals. If you go back up, Joe, I have got a training tab right there. That's a place that I am gonna be uploading videos here. I had just changed our video editing program here. I wanna be uploading copies of our weekly webinars, uh, but each of these here are able to, to kind of explain to people the basics of Craigslist, how to do driving for dollars. Things that I teach anyways is gonna be in this form of a video and as i go forward they are working on their ability to upload videos off of youtube right now they're having some html code issues right now so the the videos i had up off of youtube aren't currently working so i had to pull those down so okay. um go to the download tab next okay now this download tab's great because I have got all the info that a person would ever need being a bird dog for us. If you go up to that very top one, which is our property intake form, okay. and hit download, literally anybody anywhere in the country can take this download PDF document, send it over to Staples, and get 100 of these printed each week. And this is literally step by step what I ask. And as I change this document, it's a place that a person can easily go to print these things out and understand that if it isn't on this document, the bird dog doesn't want to even be asking it because they're because they're going too far. They are in uncharted territories that could end up putting them into a, a position of asking questions. But if you see all these stars down here okay this yeah. is critical because those are things that i really need to know and that helps when you upload those leads and i typically find filling this form out takes five to ten minutes if yeah. you are talking for 20 to 30 minutes you're going way overboard so yeah the whole point of this is to make it as simple as possible for people getting going part of this of this particular um, system. And a thing that I ask them is if any seller that they talk to says yes to any of the questions in these three pillars right here. So do you see this first question right here? If the, if the asking price and the loan balance are within 35,000, will you yeah. sell the house for what you owe on it? If the answer is gonna be yes, well then that's that's going to be a deal that they are going to upload. Okay. And then, but you can only determine which of these questions to ask if you know what they owe on it. Right. Now, sometimes I'm curious to know how you, when you're talking, how do you train them to ask how much do you owe on the property? Is there a, a, a way with a little 
bit of finesse that you can ask that question? Yes, close um, close this one down, and I okay. want you to scroll down. I have I have go kind of towards the bottom of this page right here. Go up a little bit more. There there is a script for mortgage balance. Um, okay. Right there. Okay. You're able to download that, and then that's what I ask people to use if there's anybody that has a issue with giving the balance out. Okay. One of and, the things I like to do is I'll ask the question, do you own the house free and clear or do you have a mortgage on it? Yeah, that's a very good question too. Because it's not as threatening as just coming out with how much do you owe. And right. a lot of times they'll just tell you what they owe on it. Right. Or if I'll say, look, if you don't mind me asking, I need to know how much of your loan do we have to pay off? What do you owe on the house? Right. I'll phrase it like, you know, if we have to, we have to know how much you owe so we can pay it off at title, with, at the title company. But anyway, cool. All right. So you have these really good downloads, these trainings in here. So, um, I got, so I've got pictures in there. I have got. Um, a whole whole bunch of good info. How do you pay your bird dogs? I pay them very quickly. Um, I mean, well, how much do you pay them? I pay $500 or 5% of the total deal profit. Okay. Now, what do you, when, when your bird dogs submit a property, do you have any, obviously with that intake form, they have to talk to the seller before they submit the property to you, right? <laughs> Yes, they have to. However, there's times I do get bird dogs that I cancel deals on that I know that they didn't talk to them because I asked them. When I call these people back, I say, hey, um, I see that you talked to Joe in our office yesterday about your house. And if they tell me, no, I didn't, uh, then I've got to basically go back to scratch and do that whole call over. And if that is able to happen, I typically give our bird dogs half of what they would typically than if they actually talk to them. Okay. But you don't you don't make them make an offer. No, 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 no. Okay. I want them simply to gather information and to determine what a seller's motivation is. If a person owns a house and they don't have any motivation to sell it, but are just, well, I want to sell, but I don't need to. I don't want that deal uploaded. If if a person needs to sell uh, for whatever reason, I don't want them to screw up that offer. And I would rather them just upload that lead. Okay. Now you get you get a lot of bird dogs that apply. Do you have somebody on your team that calls any new bird dogs that come in? How do you reach out to them when they first apply and start working for you? Well, as soon as they fill out a form on this website and are able to sign up, I send them a 10 to 12 page welcome packet. And that kind of gives them history on our, our company. And a thing that I ask them to do is I ask them to read that packet, not one time, but seven times. A thing that I have found, Joe, is that if a person is able to read a document one time, they typically only retain 7% of it. 
where if they are able to read it seven times, they typically retain 94% of it. So that's the very first thing I'm able to do is that this welcome packet gives them an overview on paper of all the different options that they have from bandit signs to door hangers, to business cards, to call in sellers, to direct mail. All those are viable options that every person that is a bird dog, if I try to force them to do what I'm good at, then they may not do it because they aren't good at it. However, if I give them 10 options and I tell them to pick their two favorite, then I find that that typically works better. Okay. Now, in your training, I think you have that welcome packet in here. I thought I saw that. Didn't? Don't you have it here? This here, our video is breaking down the different sections of that welcome packet. Okay. So you created these videos here? Those there I help create. However, I have custom videos that I add on there just for our bird dogs. And those aren't on there now because of some HTML website issues. Yeah, they are having a glitch with YouTube updating their shared files weren't able to work on here. A thing I typically have on here is I have got webinars every Monday from seven to eight and um, I have been uploading those on here because there are people that cannot get to all of these and uh, yeah. they can go on to here and each of these in each of these in each of these webinars give quite a bit of good info plus I do one to three calls on every webinar as well and and I think people calling in like to hear how I handle things and uh, yeah kind of feel comfortable that hey this is easy right good I like that all right so when um, you got a you get a bird dog in Florida let's say Tampa Florida they submit a property you have the team in these virtual in these other markets that will actually go meet with the sellers if you have to or sell the property market it or how are you selling these properties once a bird dog gets them under contract or you know gives them to you you get them under contract that's a very good question after i have a recorded in a recorded contract on the property filed at the county clerk i will typically list our option with realtors if it is going to be in other markets if i have people if i have boots on the ground Joe, a thing that I'll do is I'll just put up bandit signs. However, I will find buyers in other areas from Craigslist ads as well. But I find the quickest thing that I can do is pull a search of who's the best realtor in that area and tell her, hey, I have this property here. Put your commission on top of it and find a buyer for it. Because oftentimes, oftentimes these realtors, Joe, have a lot of buyers that don't fit for the average bank financing. However, if they have a house that they can get into without the all the hoops to jump through, they often have tons of buyers lined up for those. Yeah. Okay. And then to pay the realtor, because I can hear this question already coming in, because I get this all the time. You're paying the realtor if they find you a buyer, right? Yes. I then I don't pay the realtor on a lease option deal. Well, when I do a lease option deal, 
I do it with all of our, with all of our realtors that I typically pay them two one and a half to two months payment because we are taking the gamble that a rent to own Joe is basically a hybrid of renting your house and selling your house. So mm -hmm. if they find me a rent to own buyer, I'll give them a month and a half to two months up front for them to bring me a tenant buyer. However, I don't pay them anything on the back end because there isn't any guarantee that person's going to actually qualify. Wow. Why don't you just use like a leasing agent who's used to getting one month's rent and just pay them one month's rent to find a tenant buyer? We haven't done a whole ton of that. However, um, that would be a viable option as well. Okay. So of all the deals, Brandon, that you do, what percent of them come from bird dogs? Out of all of our deals that I do, what percentage? Yeah. I would say at least 60% of our deals are coming from our bird dog team. 60%, like six zero. Six zero. That's um, phenomenal. That is we, really, really good. We have over 300 bird dogs throughout the country. And I find that out of those, typically only one out of 10 actually does anything. But yeah, for those 300 bird dogs, I've got 30 people uploading 10, 15, 20 deals each month. So, so I'd say at least 60% is able to come from that. The other portion is going to be direct mail. Okay. That's fantastic. Now, we, we, we'll close this up here, Brandon. Just tell us again, how many deals are you doing a month on average? On each month, it is able to depend highs and lows. For the past couple, four years, I've averaged anywhere from 25 to 50 deals per year. We're on the track going forward here of doing over 10 deals each month now. Okay, awesome. And the best way for people to get a hold of you, I know we've been showing your phone number and your emails and websites. I've never had a host on our show, Brandon, who has given more different ways to contact them <laughs> than you have. But what, what are some of the, that's a good thing. Good thing too, by the way. What, uh, Thank what's you. the best way for someone to get a hold of your office? If they, by the way, I don't want people calling you, Brandon, if they just have questions on how to do something because right. you're, you're going to get inundated with those calls. So I'm, I'm warning you in advance. But if, I want you to, to contact Brandon if you're interested in becoming one of his bird dogs. Go to that website, workwithsps.com. Is that right, Brandon? Yes, and that is, that's going to be best for the bird dog. But I'll bet you there is also people on this call that, that, have cash in a 401k or or yeah IRA too that may be interested in earning a better return on their capital with a very diversified attitude as well and I'm hoping that uh, anybody that is in that arena would give us a uh, chance to help grow their business and uh, look at something kind of differently because from time to time, Joe, I do have homes that I put in tapes that I can't put into our own particular portfolio that I do put out there. So a thing that I would want to have is a buyer's list of people that are looking for that. 
I would right. say at least $50,000. If anybody calls me with 10, 20, I really can't help them because there is a fluke factor involved that having five properties is a, is a absolute minimum. And I'm thinking yeah. about, and I'm thinking about bumping that up to 10. Um, okay. And that's just because I have people call me with 20, 30,000 that they want to invest, but doing two or three doesn't give you the true feeling of earning three to four, $4,500 per month of, of passive income really change, changes people's lives. Um, yeah. And the concept of arbitrage is anybody on here that's just getting in that want to do bird dogging, that's great. But if, if you can just ask people that have capital in a IRA if they would be interested in earning eight to ten percent, um, the concept of arbitrage is truly amazing and and gives people a incredible opportunity to uh, help both parties. You know, so yeah. And so your web the website for people who are interested in those cash flow deals and the sandwich, sandwich option today. Sa yes, sandwich lease option to today.com i have that up um i don't know how long i'm going to keep that up just because uh i um i'm finding that i think we kind of got onto a golden goose and uh what we're doing with that is if anybody is interested and um getting part in i would encourage you to go there today because i've got i've got some pretty transparent videos up there that i share a lot of info um, I've, I've got a, a couple different videos that are both four to five, both four to five minutes each that really uncover what this business is about. And I don't know how long I'm able to keep them up because of the SEC or, or because anybody that doesn't like what I do, I think this video and this page here is going to be kind of short lived that there's going to come a point that um, I'm going to have to pull this down. So anybody okay. that is interested, get there, watch it, put in all of your info, learn how to do it, and then get part of our system. But this definitely will not be up forever. So Okay. Well, very good, man. Brandon, you've been really gracious. I'm looking forward to uh, going to that Cubs game with you. Hey, man, and, uh, I you're cannot gonna have, wait. You're going to you're gonna have to come to St. Louis to see a Cardinals game. Oh, man, I think that that would be painful. However... <laughs> I will definitely come on down there. But I want to talk with you um, offline here about uh, okay. some things that I want to do with you. But have got some exciting things happening in this business right now, a lot of opportunity to do a lot of deals, and I'm excited about this. So, yeah, thanks again, Brandon. Everybody else, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. To, if you go to the show notes, you'll see the videos that Brandon and I have done here. And that's it. So we'll talk to you all later. See you, Brandon. Sounds good. Thank you for the opportunity here. I'm truly thankful that you were able to call me, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. All right. See you guys. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks.